Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about TheQuantEdge.com. Great new fantasy website. They do baseball, football, basketball, the works. And if you'd like to try out the baseball package for the rest of the year for $1.24.99 or a first month of all sports for $19.99 or a five-day trial for $5, use promo code Bubba when you check out to get you everything you're looking for there. With that being said, if you have a rating review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it for the podcast. It would help with the rankings throughout the Twitter sphere and iTunes rankings. And welcome to Bench with Bubba episode 174 with Colin Weatherwax of Friends of Fantasy Benefits recapping the NFBC Second Chance Drafts. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 173 gonna be joined by a good buddy of ours uh, to talk some nfbc second chance draft recaps some week nine fab and much much more you can find him on twitter at c weatherwax 13 colin how we doing man doing great bubba thanks for having me on again it's uh great to talk to you again always is always is a good time why don't you let everybody know what you got going on or what you've been working on or what you've been up to these days uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, like Bubba said, at SeaWeatherWax13. Uh, I'll throw a few tidbits out there um, whenever I'm watching baseball. Just, you know, throw some mostly rants, not really stat-driven, just kind of rants, especially about DFS, which we were talking about before we started recording, Bubba. Um, and other than that, I do a podcast usually either every week or weekly uh, with Randy Haynes over at FWFB. Um, and you can also check out the draft recap. Uh, that me and Justin Mason did with FWFB, and that's recapping, not really recapping, it's actually a live pod uh, during the draft for the Second Chance Memorial Day drafts. Yeah, it's basically two and a half hours of Colin making fun of Justin, so we're all fans of that, so I highly recommend you guys go and uh, check that out, it was really good stuff there. Um, And it just gives a different perspective. it's a lot of fun doing those live drafts. Yeah, definitely, like, it's going to give a different perspective, because you get the whole draft feel from Colin and Justin, where we're going to re- recap it kind of briefly and kind of get some thoughts on it and, and look at the, some things that they talk about, you know, where people are, you know, taking gambles on guys and whatnot, which you were different in second chance drafts and the usual drafts. So it, it's a good listen there. Um, let's talk some MLB news, injuries, and whatnot before we get into the fab and uh, NFBC talk. Aledemus Diaz of the Houston Astros goes on the IL. Uh, with a hamstring strain, which hopefully is not too bad, because he's been quite effective this year. Jack Mayfield comes up, uh, probably not going to be real relevant to us, but maybe will be until Altuve comes back. But I, I wanted to ask this question because you mentioned Diaz on your podcast with Justin. What's your uh, your thoughts on him kind of going forward this year? Well, I mean, he he's kind of filling that Marwin Gonzalez role this year uh, for the Houston Astros. I mean, he's a guy that can play all over the infield. Um, when Altuve was out, he was pretty much just picking up right where Altuve left off, if not doing a little bit better. Um, so I picked him up in my main event league. Um, as you heard in the podcast that we did during the second chance draft, he was one of my last, uh, draft picks, just thinking that, you know, I can plug him in as my middle infielder spot until I got Altuve back, um, which should be in the middle to end of this week. So losing him to the IL kind of hurts. Uh, the next guy that we lost to the Astros hurts even worse though. Yeah, uh, Georgie Springer hits the IL. Hopefully it's not too serious. Uh, we got a whole hope there, but Derek Fisher gets the call. We've seen Derek Fisher before. We're not seeing Kyle Tucker or uh, Jordan Alvarez, unfortunately. But uh, Springer's on the IL. What is your take on that? Because you just mentioned it's a, it's a little bigger blow than Diaz. Yeah, so I have him in the main event. Um, it was a huge blow to see him go on the IL. I thought he was, you know, Last week, I, I didn't start him because of the back issue that he had. He turned up not playing in any of the four games. 
games that NFBC had for him at the beginning of the week. Um, and then, of course, leaves the game injured early on Friday. Um, everyone in Houston was holding their breath. Luckily, uh, AJ Hinch came out Sunday and said it's not as serious as they thought it would be. So we're hoping, you know, for a week to two week absence for Springer, and then he can come back and provide the first round caliber numbers that he already was. I mean, we've seen this in, from times uh, with George Springer, like hot streaks and and stuff like that, and then usually an injury, you know, kind of kind of starts him down the the cold streak path. Uh, but he's a guy whenever he's playing. Um, he can provide those those type of numbers each year. Yeah, he's been outstanding this season, like really, really good, and uh, brought back memories of a few seasons ago with George. So hopefully he comes back strong because that Astros lineup was clicking when Altuve was you know looking like a former MVP. Springer was back. Correa was back. And then all of a sudden Altuve gets hurt and the Springer gets hurt, and, and Correa's kind of taken a little bit of a bump, and Bregman's kind of slowed down. And, yeah, they put up some runs on Monday against Cole Hamels with the lineup that – Reminded me of a Triple A team for the most part, but as a whole, they've been pretty quiet. So they can get you get those pieces back; it'll be good for them. Good thing for them also as they are in the AL West, which isn't much to worry about. So get healthy, get in the playoffs, do your thing. All right, Colorado Rockies, Charlie Blackman to the IL with a right calf strain. They call it a right calf problem. Yeah, no shit, it's a problem. He's on the IL, but um, what's this do for you? Because it should mean like Tapia let off today. He should be up for a while. What are your thoughts on uh, Blackman going down and, you know, a chance for these young guys to actually play for the next 10 days? I mean, whenever we're talking the Rockies, there's there's really no avenue that we can go down that will most likely end up being right. Um, they picked up uh, Yaza. They brought him up from, from the minor leagues um, whenever Blackman got designated to the IL. So, you know, we could easily see him play every day and still Blackman uh, until Blackman comes back. Uh, the smartest thing to do would be, you know, Tapia, Dahl, let these guys play. Uh, Rogers, you know, I, I don't think it affects Rogers as much, but you know, it's one less guy that has a guaranteed spot. And and when when you're talking about the Rockies, it's Arenado, it's Blackman. Those are the only two guys that you're gonna know that are in there every single day. So losing him, it uh, wasn't really a surprise because Justin Mason drafted him in the second chance draft. Uh, I was giving him a little bit of shit during that during that. Um, you know, he's just been drafting the all-injured team all year. But hopefully it's just a minor stay. Uh, hopefully it's just a problem and not something bigger. Um, so because we, we know that we need uh, Blackman back. He's so consistent year in and year out. Yep, good old Charlie Blackman. Eventually age is going to catch up, but hopefully not too soon. Let's head to Philadelphia. It's interesting there. You know, uh, Hector Neris is the current guy closing, but we don't quickly that can change. So that's a whole other podcast in itself on how – Gabe Kapler runs a bullpen. But the, the fun part about this is, is Nick Pavetta gets recalls from AAA, where he's been really, really good, still having the walk issues. So Pavetta's back. We'll start with that. He's back pitching Tuesday. What are your thoughts on Nick Pavetta? So I was really wrong about Pavetta in the preseason. Um, I think I've cut most of my shares unless it's a dynasty format. So I, I didn't go back out and pick him up. Um, I've kind of hopped on the Lucas Giolito board. So uh, I didn't really see enough fits in most of my rosters to go out and pick him up. But he's a guy that if you need strikeouts, he's going to give you strikeouts. Now, as long as he doesn't give up six runs in the first inning, then he should be able to be out there long enough to get you the strikeouts that you need. But he could be a whip killer. Um, and that's the only issue is he hasn't he hasn't corrected the walk issues that you know he started off the season with. So the guy that's going to give you a lot of K's, but you're really nervous each start out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he turned that corner because you weren't the only one. There were many that were on him in the preseason. So it'll be curious to see how that turns out. And with Pavetta going to the starting rotation, Vinny V, Vinny Velasquez, who has always had pretty good stuff but lack of control on that stuff, and from time to time throws it on a tee with that stuff, he's going to the bullpen. And I've always thought he could be a nice back-end piece with the the velo he has and a little bit of movement he has on a secondary pitch. Vince Velasquez going to the Phillies bullpen. Does that do anything for you? I've never been a Vinny V guy. Uh, I'm with you. I figured, you know, the best part for him would be uh, as a pen piece. Um, I thought he'd be a dominant closer by now if they would have just, you know, given the reins to him. But like you said, Kapler, he's going to manipulate that bullpen as much as he can. So, um, I don't really have any interest in him for this season. 
I, I could see them, you know, trying him in the bullpen, using him as some spot starts. I don't see him, um, you know, uh, as like a ratio guy in the back end of the bullpen, like a Ryan Presley uh, or guys that, you know, don't have a, a certified closer role. Um, so this year, probably not. And probably moving forward, not either. Because like I said, I'm not really a big Vinny V guy. Yeah, okay. Not, not a problem with that at all. Let's go to the desert, Arizona. Luke Weaver is having a renaissance in the desert. Things are looking great, looking like the prospect pedigree was going to pan out. And then he leaves his recent start with a with a forearm strain, which sadly is usually a precursor to Tommy John surgery. They're going to search for a second opinion here soon to hopefully avoid surgery. But what's your thoughts on this? Because Luke Weaver is having a big year and looks like we're pretty much going to lose him if things go the way they're supposed to be going. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, he was a big post-hype sleeper for me coming into this year. Uh, last year, you know, we knew he had a rotation spot in St. Louis. Uh, a lot of people were overdrafting him, and he was a cut by May or June. And then coming into this year, he was kind of the forgotten guy. So uh, coming into the draft season, uh, it was pretty easy to kind of put put him at the bottom of your list, uh, take him in, in the back half of your draft. And, you know, he's performed. He's He's done really well so far this season. So Another guy like Tyler Glass now, uh, huge potential, but, you know, they both have forearm strains now. So hopefully we're hoping for the best um, and they can both come back soon, but it is very scary. Yeah, very, very scary. So hoping for the best, but usually doesn't look that well when that happens. Let's go to Pittsburgh. We were talking about him before the show. Mitch Keller made his debut, much anticipated debut, and he got off to a bit of a rough start there in Cincinnati. But regardless of how this start goes, what are you kind of what are your expectations for him for the rest of the season? I mean, with the guys that are going down there with Trevor Williams, with Jameson Tyone, who could possibly have Tommy John himself, um, I, I think you know he should be given the chance to start every fifth day in Pittsburgh. Uh, I've watched most of his start. Um, I kind of threw my remote at the TV after the Grand Slam was given up because I have him in DFS tonight. But since then, I mean, all of his stuff has been nasty. He's had some breaking balls that have made Eugenio Suarez look silly. Um, and so he's had that. And I think he has like six or seven strikeouts this time. And so he has the potential. I think he should stay up and uh, he should perform. Yeah, there's a lot to like there with Mitch Keller. So if he stays up with the squad, it's going to be fun. When you're looking at, you know, upcoming fab this week, you don't have to give away all your secrets, especially since I'm beating you in TGFBI. But um, what do you think? <laughs> like, if you had to give a percentage to say your main event leagues, where do, you, where do you think he should go with, you know, the craziness we've seen on prospects spending of late? Yeah, that's the big thing for me. So in all of my leagues besides the second chance league, which just started, I have well under like $400 in each league. So I'm I'm pretty much out on all the big guys coming up moving forward, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's the only prospect that gets the call this week. He can go for upwards of 200, even though he had a, a bad start today. Um, but he still has one more start before Fab runs, as long as they don't send him back down. Um, so I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he goes for over 200. Also wouldn't be surprised if he goes under 100, because I ended up getting Corbin Martin in my main event league for $79. Uh, that was after, you know, the the two iffy starts. So it's it's really dependent on team structure. I really needed the strikeouts. So that's why I went out of my way to get Corbin. But um, Mitch Keller, he should have about the same in-season value as Corbin Martin moving forward. Yeah, it'll be interest- interesting to see how it goes. It's one thing I love about the TGFBI sheet is the different prices per league. It's, it's pretty crazy. And the league we're in, we seem to be – it feels like on the upper end of a lot of them compared to the lower end, like, donkey teeth i think he got corbin martin last week for six bucks and i'm sitting there wondering what league is he in because that is embarrassing but um (laughs) yeah it it fluctuates from time to time so we'll be interested to see how that goes we still have another big arm in uh zach gallon hopefully coming up pretty soon for the fish as well all right let's go to tampa bay tyler glass now he's been on the 10-day il for a while they're moving into the 60-day il this is not good. He's not going to be back until at least the middle of July, maybe not even into August. What are you doing with Glassnell right now? You know, you're a person in the main event uh, just because of how good he was. And so I have a pretty big decision coming up this week. 
I need to drop him because actually my bench is riddled with um, there's injured. So I, I really need to make a decision coming up this week. It's going to kill because of how great he has been uh, prior to injury. But moving to the 60 day IL, like you said, earliest he can come back is like a month and a half to be able to make sure that I can stay in contention. Um, because by the time he comes back, I might not even need him because I'll be so far down in the standing. So he's probably going to be one of my cuts this week, unfortunately. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I ask it, because a lot of people, their easy answer is always put him on the IL, but in NFBC, in these leagues, there's no IL. And with all the injuries we have out there, uh, it just keeps adding up and adding up and adding up, and eventually you got to make these tough decisions. And I know one of the guys you picked up in a lot of your leagues this week was, or you wanted to pick up was like a Corey Kluber, because a lot of people dropped him. The initial diagnosis wasn't promising for Corey Kluber. And, you know, the cast came off and he's coming back soon. So these guys will be on the waiver wire for later on to make things interesting. But you can't just hold all these guys all the time because it's pretty crowded out there with the landscape of injuries. And you got to hold the guys that are out for like 10 days. And the guys that are out for a few months, and that's still a question mark because if, if there's a setback with Glass, now he's not back till September. Like you said, if you're out of it, what's the matter by holding him? You need someone that can throw bullets for you now. So – it's a tough decision. It's a decision people need to start making here pretty soon because that little setback was pretty severe. All right, we got another setback. Brandon Nimmo uh, had a neck injury. They called it a stiff neck. Now it's looking pretty bad, like a bulging kind of disc or something in his neck. Not good. Not good at all. Um, he's had a rough year, but it looks like he's going to be out for a bit of time here. Any thoughts on Brandon Nimmo? Um, I actually saw him cut last week, so I'm, I'm not really surprised that he was cut. Uh, he's a guy that really hasn't performed so far at the beginning of the season. Um, if he's out, the speculative dollar two out on, on him and fab, but I wouldn't be expecting too much. Um, there should be a bounce back of some sort, but I think last year might be the anomaly with Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. Unfortunately the expectations are not going to be met this year with Nimmo. And that really, really sucks. Uh, let's go to the Cardinals. A lot of us made fun of the fact they had Wainwright and Walker in their rotation to start the year. Well, Walker's been bad enough. They're moving him to the bullpen. He's got a 5.59 ERA through six starts, walking almost six batters per nine right now. Moving him to the bullpen. And the, the important question here is, you know, Alex Reyes is back. Austin Gomber's pitching great in the minors. How are you approaching the potential fill-in for Walker, which has not been announced yet? I was really aggressive with uh, Alex Reyes coming into this fab run. Unfortunately, I didn't end up with him anywhere. Uh, I was very upset about that because he's he's back from his injury. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't punch any more walls anytime soon. But he's the guy that I think will be taking over for Michael Walker in his rotation spot. And um, I actually drafted him in the main event this year, so I had to cut him early. But he's a guy that you don't really see too many pitchers like him on the waiver wire at this time of year. The potential is sky high, um, and as long as he gets the opportunity as a starter, um, they tried to use him out of the bullpen at the beginning of the year. It didn't really go too well. So if he gets the opportunity as a starter, I think he'll uh, he'll hold on to that grasp. Yeah, no, I think that's a big part. Reyes has that pedigree. I remember last year when he was rehabbing in the minors, every, like, every start we'd see the videos from our boys on there that were pretty darn impressive. So there's a lot to like in that arm, and Gomber's been pitching great. Um, STL Cup of Joe, who writes for the Athletic for the Cardinals, he's a big Gomber guy. He's been documenting him for a while. Wrote some good articles on him. That there's there's a there's a ton to like when it comes to his arm as well. So both of these guys could seriously be in play. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out for the Cardinals for the time being. All right, last one I want to mention here is that we speculated it on my last bench with Bubba, but it wasn't official till now. But Chris Davis, Crush Davis, on the ten day IL. It's about time. He should have been on the IL a long time ago. Um, he, he'll be out till at least early, maybe into this weekend, early next week. What's your thoughts on this? Because it's his left hip, it's his oblique, and it's just not good. Yeah, watching him swing the bat um, his last time out before he got pulled, it was it hurt me. And, you know, I, I'm not even out there grinding like he is. So uh, I'm glad they put him on the IL. I hope he uh, takes all the time he needs in order to get healthy because he's a guy – that even though he was only UT eligible in most places, I, I went out of my way to draft him because, you know, the past few years he's been uh, not only providing a solid 247 average, but over 40 home runs, uh, the runs and RBIs are there. So he's a guy that I was I was heavily targeting in some of my leagues. So 
I hope they take the necessary time he needs um, to get healthy so we can see the old Crush Davis back. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm hoping it, uh, it, it gets going here because it'll be much, much important because he came off on fire to um, to get it going, and now it's kind of slowed down quite a bit. So hopefully that changes and you get him back sooner than later, like you were saying. All right, that wraps up our, our usual news segment. Thank God it wasn't too bad compared to normal weeks. Could have been much worse. That gives us more time to talk some fab and then get into the NFBC second chance drafts, which I want to talk to you a lot about. Let's recap the fab last week in the League 3, the League Colin and I are in. Uh, there was quite a, a lot of moves, as the usual. But uh, we'll start at the top with the expensive ones and work our way down. Our buddy at FSAA, he went all in on Gavin Biggio at $251. The runner-up bid was $47. I was the runner-up at $47. <laughs> I laughed because I was like, I was putting a keep him honest bid out there at $47. Yeah. Wow. So, um, <laughs> so uh, what's your thoughts on this? Because, you know, Biggio has got a little bit of power. He's got speed. He could have an everyday job. We don't know for sure. But what's your thoughts on Gavin Biggio for $251 and just overall thoughts on Gavin Biggio? Oh, the, the bid itself was, was, uh, like you said, hysterical. Um, I looked at it, I laughed a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I scrolled down to see my little tiny bids and I was perfectly fine with those, but, uh, for Biggio, I, I don't see, you know, the, uh, the offensive upside as some of the other guys that's been called up prior to him, like Austin Riley, uh, Brendan Rogers, if he got everyday playing time, Kesson Hyura, um, guys like that. So I didn't I didn't even put a bid on him in any of my leagues. Uh, I'm in seven NFBC leagues. I put zero bids on him. Um, Vlad Sedler actually got him for $34 unopposed in one of our 12s that we're in together. So wow. um, I, I don't believe that he has the everyday playing time locked down uh, moving forward. And even if he does, what is his upside? Like maybe 270 hitter with 10 home runs, 10 steals. And, you know, there's guys like that that I can get um, for, you know, $7 as opposed to 251. So, and, and that, and that's the big thing is it's, it's not that it's not, you know, fun to get prospects or go and grab them, but, and I don't want to discourage anybody from doing it. Cause we know we've seen prospects just balloon onto the scene and you're not going to find stuff like that on the wire. But at the same time, you know, that's like the 5% expectation, like, or like outstanding result, like the 95th percentile. That's what those guys are. Um, Gavin Biggio, even if he's really good, like you said, it, it, it's going to be tough to to justify that price point. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, um, yeah, 251 made me chuckle quite a bit. Hopefully he keeps the job. Um, I didn't see uh, – we'll get to him actually. He went – well, we'll just skip to this for a second. Um, Lourdes Gurriel went for 10 bucks. He was opposed by $7. He got called up and Biggio got called up. They've both been playing every day. Um, Gurriel played well in the minors and he got sent down. He's already got at least one homer since the call-up. Um, if you had to, would you rather want Guriel or Biggio the rest of the way? I mean, are we talking price point or just overall? Well, just overall, because price point wise, <laughs> Biggio blew him out of the water, so that's not yeah. fair. Because price point, you're going to say Guriel in a heartbeat. Yeah. But just overall, what are your thoughts on those? Like comparing those two? Uh, give them both the same amount of playing time. I think I'll still go with Guriel. Uh, we saw a little bit of something last year towards the end of the year in his cup of coffee. Uh, he was actually on my main event team last year um, towards the end of the year whenever he was doing, you know, uh, really well for himself. And now he's adding the outfield piece uh, to his eligibility as well because that's why they sent him down. They want to get him some more versatility. So now he's got the capability of playing the outfield, all the infield spots. So I think I'll go with Guriel uh, for the rest of the season over Vizio. All right. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I was, I was a big Guriel fan, like, you know, late round middle infield guy. Like I had him like right behind like Corey Polanco for me in, in that kind of value time, and it didn't work out. But he's probably going to do it now that I after I've dropped him everywhere <laughs> and I can't get him back. So that's that's just how it's going to go. That's just that's baseball in a nutshell. Uh, let's go back to FSAA. Our boy had a big weekend. Kevin Cron for one hundred and one runner up bid was forty seven. That was not me, thank goodness. <laughs> but um, I like Kevin Cron's power as long as as Christian Walker's there. It's going to be tough to find playing time for him. But what's your thoughts on Kevin Cron? Yeah, it should be pretty tough for him to find some playing time. Uh, I also didn't bid on Kevin Cron anywhere. I, and the one thing that kind of stuck out to me is usually I don't do my fab until after the Sunday games are over, or at least all the you know midday games have started. 
Reason being is because I want to look at the lineups. I want to see, you know, what's going on with the lineups and also any injuries that pop up. So the first thing that stuck out to me was Kevin Crone was not in the lineup against a lefty. That lefty was Drew Pomerantz. And that's the day he got called up. So that was the first warning sign for me. And if you're not going to start Kevin Crone on his, um, you know, on his major league debut against a soft throwing lefty who he's been killing in the minor leagues, I'm already worried. Um, So I know Christian Walker has been a little bit on a cold streak lately, so he could overtake him moving forward. Uh, They might be able to find some time for him at third base and just bench Nick Ahmed, move Eduardo Escobar over to shortstop. Um, but I, I didn't go after him because I'm a little bit nervous about the playing time. Yeah, that, that was my thing. I think I maybe had like a $25, $30 bid on him. Just keep him honest again. If I get him, I get him. That's fine. But I am concerned about playing time. I, I, I We love Christian Walker. It's like pick one of the two. They're the same player, essentially. That's what you're going to get. So, so so pick your poison. Cron didn't play again today, and they're in Coors Field. So you had to have picked him hoping you get some Coors Field at-bats, and he's already one day down of none. So that's a big blow. So we'll see how that goes there with those two prospects we just talked about. Sean Kelly, he's closing for the Rangers right now. Got five saves for the Rangers. Went for 86 bucks. Runner-up, it was 84. Of course, our buddy Kay, uh, Kay Lee, who is leading and running away with the league right now. Like, <laughs> we're playing for second place right now. He's playing for the overall. Like, it's crazy how good he's doing. But, you know, he, everything just comes up perfect for him because he also, you know, $86 bid, runner-up 84 uh, what's your expectations on Sean Kelly? Because I still am a believer that I think LeClerc eventually gets the job back. But for now, Kelly's the guy, and he's getting it done. Yeah, I'm a believer that LeClerc gets the job back as well. Um, you know, Kelly got hurt already, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. So there was a big Chris Martin uh, fab run, which I was a part of as well. Uh, didn't work out for me. Didn't work out for anybody that picked up Chris Martin. But, you know, while Sean Kelly has the job, unless he blows up, I don't think Texas is going to push LeClerc into the closer role because, honestly, he's been terrible. Um, he hasn't shown that he has gained that command back, and Sean Kelly's been getting the job done. So there is a chance that he could lead the Rangers with saves the rest of the season, um, but he's a guy that's shown that he's injury-prone in the past, and they just paid LeClerc a lot of money. So, you know, if they fall out of it, I, I, I could see them trading away Kelly um, for a lower end prospect to a guy that needs some bullpen help. So there's always that aspect, but Hey, you know, you're paying for the numbers now. And if he gets five to 10 saves from him moving forward, then we can go ahead and chalk him up as the winner. Yeah, no doubt about it. And one thing I always tell people on the show is it's not just about who got added. It's who got dropped. Uh, he dropped Jeremy Jeffers for Sean Kelly and sure. Jeffers isn't the closer right now, but he's starting to get back into closer form. He's pitching really, really well since he's got back from his injury and remember last year, towards the end of the year, he's, he got a handful of saves. Is Jeffers a guy you might get spe- speculative on earlier than later? Oh, yeah, definitely. And then I think I'm with you because rest of the season, I probably prefer Jeffers to Kelly. Yep, I'm with you 100%. Like, I, I drafted Jeffers in certain leagues, hoping he'd run into, like, 15 saves. I still think he could by the end of the season. So uh, I like him quite a bit because they don't want to run Hater into the ground. They need him in the postseason. Let's be mm-hmm. real about this. So – um, I, I noticed that, and that's why like, people need to look at the whole package on these ad drops because I, I, I guarantee you, and it doesn't help that I'm talking to a league me right now, but <laughs> Jeremy Jeffers will be picked up this next week, I have a feeling. Just oh, yeah, a hunch. <laughs> Just a hunch. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you a chance to make fun of me now because I realize how stupid I am. I thought this was a good move at the time. It still could be. For as much as potential closers have been going for, I think $67 for Sean Newcomb isn't horrible. It's not great, though, especially when the runner-up was $3. That made me feel like the smallest man on the planet. And since um, Newcomb's last two starts haven't been ideal, he's still pitching really well out of the bullpen. And the Atlanta bullpen's a mess. That's my two cents on it. Tell me what I did wrong or if you agree with me. Well, if you feel better, I think the $3 bid was me. Oh, sweet. <laughs> well, I beat you, so there we go. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, I, I, I kind of like the bid. Um, I think it was a little aggressive, obviously, and then looking over, you know, the few leagues that I'm that he was available in, um, in the ones that I'm in, he didn't go for as much as I thought he would. You know, I think he, I thought he would be in like the sixty to hundred range, but people, I think, are starting to either be completely broke like me, or not really want to throw the darts at closers anymore. And um, you know, he has been good coming out of the bullpen. Luke Jackson gave up, I think, two or three earned runs his last time out, and and you know, point one innings. So. You know, he doesn't really have a firm grasp on the dra- on the job, but 
It's also almost June 2nd. And then June 3rd, we know um, Craig Kimbrell is going to be signing somewhere. And it, it looks like it could be Atlanta. But if not, you know, I, I would say Newcomb has just as good of a chance to get um, saves just like Luke Jackson. So I kind of like the bid. It's more of like a stash bid, in my opinion, because you can't really run him out there in your lineup until, you know, he gets a save or two in a week. And then once you do, it might just be the whole closing landscape thing. You know, he gets two saves in a week and then none the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's the biggest thing with me. Like, I need saves because I have Jose Alvarado, and we all know how that's going. That's frustrating as all hell because he's one of the more lights-out relievers in the game but not getting save chances. And I was just surprised by the price because for, for Newcomb, I, I thought he'd be in this realm. When you see how much Sean Kelly went for, you see how much um, other – potential closers have been going for. I was very surprised by this. It is what it is. I hope it works out, but um, I didn't break the bank. At least I saw guys get like uh, Steve Sishik for over a hundred bucks last week. I'd rather gamble on Newcomb at 67. That's just me, but um, we'll see how that goes. Let's talk about another closer that went. And uh, the reason why I went more heavy on Newcomb than on Scott Oberg is because Scott Oberg wears a big C and R on his Jersey. And that Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with Colorado closers. Uh, he went for 26, backup bid was 16. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a really efficient bid. I mean, he's a guy that could only hold the job for, you know, um, two weeks, three weeks at the most whenever Wade Davis gets back. So they have a full week of Coors games this week, not the ideal uh, place to play him. And he's a guy that could get you kind of like Steve Shisek. I mean, once one stroke comes off the DL, uh, he should ease back into the closing situation. So, I think C-Shack has two or three saves since he's been on the uh, on the IL. So, um, yeah, I think that's what you could probably get from Oberg. And I think 26 was was just about right for him. I, I've seen him go a lot more in a lot of the other leagues I was in. Yeah, I was actually surprised it only went for 26, especially for the guy that won it in our league and has spent 251 on Vigio and 101 on Kron. He went 26 on Oberg. So <laughs> very good stuff there. Uh, a couple other guys here. Alex Reyes, we were just talking about him. Dalton Del Don got him for 40 bucks. Runner-up bid was $4. Probably you, I'm guessing. Probably me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we already got your feelings on that. Dylan Bunny's got a two-step this week, and he's actually been pitching pretty well. He went for $52. Runner-up bid was 36 For me, that's a little pricey on a two-stepper, unless you plan on keeping him. Um, this was Greg, Greg saw somebody, Greg Smith, who's uh, up in the top five now. What's your thoughts on Dylan Bundy? Like, what he's been doing, do you kind of trust this going forward, or is this Dylan Bundy? No, it's Dylan Bundy. Um, he he kind of had this um, this helium at the beginning of the season last year. I rode the wave until it started to get hot in, in Baltimore, and I cut bait because uh, Randy Haynes, my other podcast partner, is a big Orioles fan. He led me down the path that this is Dylan Bundy. Once it gets hot outside, he's going to blow up, so... Uh, but I, I think it'll end up a little bit better than my two-stepper that I picked up last week in Mike Leak. So uh, I wish I would have spent this money on on Dylan Bundy instead of Mike Leak. Yeah, it happens. You got, you're rolling the dice in the two-step world, especially when there's not as many two-steppers these days. It can get really crazy. Uh, the third prospect this week, FSAA got them all. He got Biggio, he got Cron, and he got Josh Naylor for 11 bucks. no opposing bids. He's pretty much only going to be out there for the most part when they have a DH, which they do to start the week. The kid's really good. He's been hitting since he came up, but playing time is going to be an issue. Uh, what are your thoughts on Josh Naylor right now? Yeah, that's the big reason I didn't throw any bids out on him as well. Um, you know, he was in Toronto. Um, first of all, great story since he grew up in, in Canada and his major league debut happens to be in Toronto. So that that's a great story. But um, yeah, he's a DH type and he plays in the National League. So I don't think the playing time is there. So as soon as, you know, that, that aspect starts to go away, I, I think they send him back down. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we can go over some of your picks if you want. You picked up Jake Marisnik for 6 bucks. Got a lot of lefties on the menu and, and uh, Springer's out. Mitch Garver at 7 Yonder Alonso at 7 Orlando Arcia at 7 Julio Urias at 16 What was your game plan kind of as a whole on this kind of setup? Um, I think I panicked a little bit because of my, my Leak, Mike Leak pickup last week. And um, – from last week, the, the Fab again. So I had seven droppable guys on my bench last week, and I dropped them all. And the most I was able to spend was three dollars. So <laughs> last week was was brutal for me. Um, so this week, I uh, I ended up cutting. I think like four of the guys I picked up last week. And um, Jake Marisnik, I really liked the uh, the schedule this week. 
and the playing time um, with Springer going on the IL. So I got him six bucks. The opposing bid was four dollars. So that was an efficient one. Uh, I dropped Mitch Garver last week for let's see who I dropped him for. Uh, da, 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 last for week. Roberto Perez. So yeah. uh, Roberto Perez has been okay, but Mitch Garver has the C one ceiling and the high ankle sprain. I thought was going to keep him out for you know four weeks, but he's already starting to do baseball activities. So. I'm actually okay taking a zero as long as I can get Mitch Garver back. So I, I'm really happy with that bid. Um, Yonder Alonso, a guy that can play corner infield for me. Uh, Orlando Arcia, just a guy that can kind of just give me some stats, which is what I've been lacking in this league. And Julio Arias is a dart throw. Um, you know, there's a lot of pitching prospects like we talked about with Mitch Keller, um, guys that can come up and do something and go for over $200 in fab. Getting Julio Arias is for $16. He's a guy that's gotten two saves already this season. Um, and then he's also started a few games and he's shown the potential in the past to, you know, be a frontline starter. So depending on how the Dodgers use him, um, you know, that that's really where his value comes from. But moving forward, I, I think I'm going to hold on to him as my dart throw moving forward. Yeah, no, the talent level is insane there. He could be uh, this year's Walker Bueller for them where, you know, second half of the year, late in the season, he gets kind of spotty starts and gets you some really, really good stuff there. So I don't mind that at all. I think there's a lot of talent in that arm of his. So it'll be fun to see how it goes and uh, how the rest of fab goes. Cause there's a lot of us that are down to not much left. So it'll be <laughs> lots and lots of fun there as, as the season keeps going on. We're not even at the all-star break yet. And it's a uh, pretty bleak, pretty, pretty bleak, but all right, let's talk some second chance ADPs are kind of a new thing they did over here at the NFBC this season. Lots of cool stuff. Colin participated in one with uh, Justin Mason. And they, again, the podcast, the whole draft, fun stuff there. Uh, when you went in, it's a 12-team league, for those who didn't know. But uh, when you started out and you, you wanted to approach the draft, because it's not like, you know, preseason where you just have your blind expectations. You know what guys are doing, what they might be doing, who's got upticks, who doesn't, so on and so forth. What was your game plan heading into this uh, second-chance draft? So my game plan was to uh, avoid starting pitchers early, uh, which I, I did in the main event as well. And I've seen a lot of people who drafted SPs early, not not really like the way their team has turned out so far. Um, so that was my first thing. Um, the second thing is I wanted Ronald Acuna. I wanted him to fall to seven in the uh, pre-draft. I saw his ADP, his max bid was like 15 and I was like drooling. I'm like, please just let him fall to me. So, unfortunately, he went fifth in the draft that I'm in, but the second guy on my list was Trey Turner. Uh, and what I said in the podcast with Justin was, this is a guy who's good for one injury a year, keeping him out for three to four weeks, and then the rest of the time he's Trey Turner. So, he already got that out of the way. I get his stats from today moving forward, and he's right in there with the top guys overall. So, I was really happy to get him at seven overall. No, Yeah, that was, that was pretty darn good because, you know, Trey Turner was going – uh, he went fourth in RTG FBI draft this past year. And yeah, he, he's going six to 13th so far in these early drafts. So a lot to like there when you, when you're breaking it all down with Trey Turner, um, when, when you're drafting your team, we'll pull up your team real quick right here. Um, you were team seven. So you drafted out of the seventh. Of course you went Turner Baez, Soto Redone. You took Nola as your first pitcher. Um, and then, Kenley Jansen as a closer, you, you mentioned it on the podcast. I want you to talk about it here. What was your intention with the closers? So <laughs> my intention with the closers is, and the reason I don't have any fab left in any of my leagues is because I've been chasing all these speculative closers. So I was hoping to dip into the hater or Yates well, uh, relatively early, and then hope to get like a guy like Chapman or a guy like Hand or Jansen uh, maybe the round or round after I get Hater or Yates, or maybe one round after that. So that way I don't have to worry about that, that um, you know, getting saves anymore. I don't have to worry about chasing it. Um, I'm actually really happy with the way that it went because Hater and Yates went back to back on the turn in round three and four to the same guy. So he kind of stole my strategy from me, first of all. Um, but then, second of all, I ended up getting Jansen, like you said, in round seven. And then in round 12, I feel like I got the steal of the draft um, and Craig Kimbrell. Um, he's a guy that I didn't have to wait, you know, almost two months before he signs because, you know, there's only, what, seven days before the draft. So, and everyone thinks as soon as the draft is, is started, 
Kirk Kimbrell should be signed. And wherever he signs, he's going to get he's going to get saved. So um, pairing Kimbrell with Jansen, I think, is just as safe as Hayter and Yates. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Those were like the top two closers at one point in time before all hell broke loose. Yeah. So so th- there is a lot to like there. Now, you, you took the gamble on guys like Giancarlo, who's hurt. Um, you know, Fran Del Rey has been on just straight fire. Uh, you got the farther down you look, you got you mentioned Craig Kimbrell already. Uh, Corey Kluber's coming back from the IL. You took gamble on stuff like that. Uh, Mitch Garver you drafted as well. Where do you – like? Were you intending to take those kind of gambles, or did those things just fall to you? No. So this draft was all about value for me. So um, if you follow the NFBC on Twitter, they they posted out um, the first six rounds of every single um, second chance draft during the second chance draft season. And guys like Josh Bell were getting thrown up there really high. Wilson Contreras went in the third round in this in this draft. Um, you know, guys like Austin Riley in the fourth round. So. Whenever you start throwing those guys, you know, ahead of guys like Jose Altuve and Giancarlo Stanton, um, I I did not intend to end up with so many injury stashes. But in a 12-team league, I think you can use that strategy to your advantage um, compared to a 15-team league because, you know, there's so many more guys out there on the waiver wire. There's so many ways for you to get those results back. So starting my draft off with Trey Turner, like you said, Javi Baez, uh, Juan Soto, I got in the third round and then Anthony Rendon in the fourth round. I think that was a nice base for my offense. Um, however, I was lacking some power besides Javi Baez. So whenever Stanton was still on, on the board in eighth round, I had to take a gamble on him. I went on a nice power surge with Stanton, Reyes, and Puig. Um, a lot of big bounce, bounce back guys as well. And then I want to hear what you think about my second starting pitcher that I took, and that's Mike Clevenger in the 11th round. Yeah, I just saw that. I, I forgot to even mention him. I like the idea of it. I haven't paid close enough attention to see when he's coming back. I know when he went out, it was going to be out for a little while. But even if you get the second half of the year with Clevenger, I'm intrigued at that point in the draft. He's close to an ace. So that's not bad because when you got guys like, um, you know, Domingo Herman just went, Frankie Montas went around him, yeah, some others like Zach Wheeler and everything. So, you're right in that ballpark where it makes a lot of sense to take a gamble on a Clevenger who, let's be real about it, if he was healthy, you would have to draft him around Nola's time. So you, you got value there. What's the latest and greatest on him? I haven't heard anything. So the last thing I saw on him uh, coming into the draft season is he's headed back to extended spring training, and that was on Friday. So, you know, he should be back around mid-June. So realistically, I should be getting him back in mid-June and then also Corey Kluber back in mid-June. So I, I tweeted this out after I did the draft. Um, Trey Turner, Javi Baez, uh, Anthony Rendon, Jose Altuve, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Nola, Clevenger, and Corey Kluber. That's like nine guys that were drafted in the top three rounds of you know regular drafts just a month and a half ago. And yeah. so I, I really like the risk that I did with this team. Um, Jose Altuve should be back at the end of this week. Stanton, as long as he doesn't hurt his calf again, should be back in a couple weeks. And then Clevenger and Kluber are back in a couple weeks. So, you know, like I said, in 12s, you can throw a lot of darts. You can make a lot of risks um, just because the the waiver wire is a little bit deeper than a 15-team league. But I also was able to pair them with guys like Will Myers late, um, Mike Miner, Lucas Giolito, Griffin Caning. So a little bit of upside, a little bit of safety um, mixed in around some of the risk that I took. Yeah, that's what's fun about it is you took kind of those you know, he had that stable base early of Turner, Baez, Soto, Rendon, Nola, the guys you talked about. Then he took some risks with some injury guys, like like you mentioned as well. But then, like you said, you know, Giolito, uh, Hunter Dozier, Zach Eflin, um, Griffin Canning, Clint Fraser. A lot of these guys are having great starts of the year. We haven't seen them do it for really a whole season, so there's questions there. But they can at least hold hold serve for you until those guys get back. So there's, there is a lot to like there um, when you when you break it all down. Were there, like, what do you think the holes are on your team that you're going to have to kind of address besides holding on while the guys get healthy? Unfortunately, I think it saves again. <laughs> um, just because I, I picked Oberg in round 26. So uh, he's good for, what, maybe two or three saves before Wade Davis comes back. Um, I got Jansen and then, of course, Kimbrell. So the worst fear is Kimbrell doesn't sign on June 2nd uh, or he signs, um, I don't even know, with Washington or – you know, a guy with an established closer where 
yeah, sure, Kimbrell will probably take that job, but there's still that iffy kind of way. Um, so saves is probably my, my main issue. I think I have a nice floor in steals, which is another thing I've been chasing in a lot of my leagues. And then um, after round seven, I was like, oh, crap, I have no power. And I feel like I, I made made up for that moving forward. So other than that, um, I, I really like the way my team turned out. There's a lot of crazy drafts um, that I saw on Twitter. This one was a whole lot of fun, as you heard on the podcast with Justin. Um, we, we brought in the guy that drafted right behind me. And was there, was, there was a couple guys that if he would have taken the guy that I ended up taking, he would not have been invited on the podcast because they, they were falling so far and I needed both of them. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was pretty fun listening to you guys. Before he came on, you're kind of like, don't pick my guy stuff. And then he was on, he was pretty funny. And then after he was off, you guys clowned him so often because like it was a completely different draft. It was it was fun. It was lots of fun. Um, before we kind of just go looking at ADP here, when it comes to your, your draft you guys had, what other teams kind of stood out to you that uh, you're kind of worried about this year? Um. So Justin did an okay draft. I hate to say it. Um, you don't his ass. He doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> whenever you get the first overall pick and you don't screw it up, that, that's a good way to start off with Trout. Um, he got Snell at the 2-3 turn with Whit Merrifield as well. Uh, Charlie Blackman, who has since been hurt. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Trevor Bowers and Snell is, is a dynamic top-of-the-rotation guy. Um, you know, start. And then Blake Trinan, Felipe Vasquez after that. So, you know, whenever I compare my team to his, I really think I do have the edge. Whenever you look at Snell and Bauer, are they really that much different than Nola and Clevenger whenever they're both on? I don't think so. Uh, Trinan and Vasquez, are they much different than Jansen and Kimbrell? I don't think so. And I was able to get all four of those pitchers after the four that he took. So um, if I'm picking apart, you know, some of his draft, you know, Benintendi coming down to round eight was a no-brainer. Um, I don't really like the Michael Conforto pick, but that could be – you know, just me being scared of the injury, but he is already back. He does play for the Mets though. So you just never yeah. know. Um, Matt Olson was a little bit of a gamble. Him taking Nelson Cruz was completely my fault. And I really hate myself for it. Yeah. Cause you were talking that up pretty good there. Yeah. I, I pretty much told him <laughs> to pick him and you know, I'm pretty sure he would have, he would have made it back to me. Uh, and I really knew the power at the point, but you know, it is what it is. The, the craziest start I think to this draft and it just shows so much recency bias. Um, team six, the guy drafted in front of me, <laughs> yep. started started off Adalberto Mondesi, Josh Bell, Eddie Rosario, Steven Strasburg, and Rafael Devers as his first five picks. So if you got the first, you know, month and a half worth of stats, dude, I'm all for it. But moving forward, you know, give me Turner, Baez, Soto, Rendon, and Nola moving forward. Yeah, it's tough because I like those guys he picked, but I don't think you needed to pick them when you picked them. Yeah, <laughs> like like unless everybody else was going to be jumping and getting crazy on stuff, those guys would have fell at least a couple of rounds, and you could have had some more fun that way. So, yeah, that was quite surprising seeing that uh, that set of names up there. Um, let's talk about some ADP, kind of comparing it to the TGFBI drafts we were in. It's a, it's a cool thing they're doing on the NFBC. It's just weird because it depends on what leagues you have pulled up on how it's going to compare it to the NFBC. But like Cody Bellinger on average, is going third in drafts right now. Compared to our deal, he's going about 43 picks sooner than he went in um, in uh, TGFBI. So right now it's going Trout, Yellick, Bellinger. Do you agree with that three? Yeah, I think I do. Um, you know, Bellinger has been, you know, completely off the moon to start the season. I think there's really nowhere to go but down for him. I mean, he's not going to be hitting 390 the rest of the season. But he's a guy that's going to provide you with some steals, provide you with some pop. Uh, and he seems to have shown a really good batter's eye at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I, I really agree with those three. You can make the argument for Mookie Betts, um, you know, just with, with the season he had last year and with the bounce back that could probably come. Um, so for me, it would be Trout, Yelich, Bellinger, Betts, and then Acuna for my top five. Yeah, I'm a big Acuna guy as well, so I can't argue that at all. Uh, the next few big risers, Frenchie Lindor moved up about 11 spots. That kind of makes sense because he was hurt when we drafted. So I'll just let that one slide. He probably would have been a back end of a first-round guy then as well. Uh, Justin Verlander jumped to 10, uh, 14 spots. He's going as high as eighth right now um, in, in these leagues. He definitely is the top pitcher off the board right now in these drafts. Do you agree that he's the top pitcher the rest of the season? It's really close for me, but I think with him and Max, you know, 
both the guys, they're going to have a blow-up start here and there. My, Max just seems to have the uh, the first-inning blunders, and he's had that throughout most of his career. Uh, that's the only thing with Max is once he gets out of the first inning, you cannot stop him. Um, but for me, probably if I went the pitcher-heavy um, you know, way, I probably would have went Verlander first. And it was funny because coming into my draft, I figured there would be a heavy you know, starting pitcher run um, to start off the draft, but the first starting pitcher didn't go until the fourth pick of the second round. So that kind of made me a little bit nervous. I thought I might have to change my my strategy, you know, coming in the second round. Yeah, you never know how that's going to work, especially in these recency bias type drafts. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi, he's going about 10th right now. That's 26 and a half picks sooner than uh, we had him in our draft. And, you know, he like you said, he went sixth ahead of your Trey Turner pick. Mondesi's been awesome. Like I, I knew he, I, I liked him. I didn't think he'd be this good, though. Do you believe in this? Like you know, tenth overall is still pretty steep. Yeah, no, I, I would have been considering him in the uh, the second round if I had like Justin's pick, so the back end of the second round. But I think you've gotten everything you need from him so far, and then some. And I don't think it's going to be you know smooth sailing the rest of the season. He's got eighteen steals already, five home runs. 41 RBIs, which is the big, you know, surprise. But, um, you know, through a glass, I I don't think he's going to have that great of a second half. But then you look at the lineup ahead of him. He's got Witt. He's got Nicky Lopez, two guys that can get on base in front of him. And they still continue to bat him third. And I think they're going to let everyone run wild. So, you know, if he doesn't regress, you know, there's still a chance that he could be worth a a first-round value. Yeah, that's the thing is he's one of those kind of wild cards. If he becomes a stud, then it – definitely works but a guy with his skill set could hit a cold streak real quick that he's not getting on base and he's not scoring runs he's not stealing there's three of your five categories you're pulling for real quickly just disappear so it's, it's tough with him i get the appeal uh because this is an overall so i could see the upside there but it is tricky uh, a couple other big jumpers here whit merrifield got the jump i don't mind that at all it's still early but i think he's really really good um i'm not a, a huge disponent there but the guy i wanted to ask you about Gary Sanchez going 22nd overall. That's 23 picks before our draft. So he got quite the bump here. I know it's a two-catcher league. It's not an OBP league, though, people. So keep that in mind. But what's your thoughts on Gary Sanchez in a 12-team league going that soon? Yeah, no. Me and Justin couldn't get behind it. Uh, I think he had a little bit of inflation based off of his Baltimore series. But, hey, you throw any any batter in, in Baltimore against that pitching staff, um, we, sh- we should have because then, you know, guys like, I don't know, <laughs> Vlad or, or Josh Bell might have went first overall. So, um, yeah, for, for me, I don't like taking the, the catcher first mentality. Uh, I did it in one of my drafts this year. I completely hated my team, and the standings reflect that. Um, but, yeah, Gary Sanchez going that high was, was completely um, – I was I was not expecting it, but I was perfectly fine with the other guy taking him. Honestly, yeah, no, Ted takes that temptation off your hands. I think I have Gary in like one league. It was the Barf League with Mason out here, and it's an OBP league for one. So that's a big difference for me. But it's one of those like he just kept falling and falling. I'm like, I got to take. I never take a catcher early, but uh, it just worked out that way. So jumped all over that. Let's talk about a big time faller, Jose Ramirez, going 24th overall. He went third in our draft. Many people had him high up. He was one of those guys actually on draft season. He was kind of fluctuating anywhere in the first round. It was really interesting seeing where he went. Um, yeah, dropped quite a bit. Do you think there's a bounce back with Jose? Are you really concerned about this right now? I'm really concerned about it, honestly. I mean, for a guy yeah, with you. that was hitting third or that was getting picked third overall, um, you know, once Lindor had his injury, he was pretty much third overall around the around the clock. And he's hitting 197. He's got the steals to boot. He's got 12, 12 steals so far, but four homers, 15 RBIs. It's really concerning for me. Um, I don't even think I would have taken him in the third or fourth round over Soto and, or, and Rendon, honestly. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask do you. Do you think this is even too high? So, like, where if you had the if if he if he fell to you at a certain point, where does he become draftable in these second chance leagues for you? So looking at the fourth round, um, whenever I took Rendon, so say Rendon is off the board, um, that you, then you're comparing him to Carlos Correa, George Springer, who we just found out about the news about, uh, Manny Machado, and Charlie Blackman. So when you compare him to those four, 
I think I would have a, a pretty difficult time passing up Jose Ramirez, but you know, the guy that was picked after him in the second round was Whit Merrifield and Bryce Harper, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Juan Soto, like I said, Paul Goldschmidt. Those are all guys that I want over Jose Ramirez moving forward. Yeah, I can feel you there. All right, here's one of our biggest jumpers so far, Joey Gallo, going 25th on average overall. He's got an eight, he's an 89th in our league. He's got a 60-point jump for Joey Gallo right now. And a lot of it is because he's hitting for average. Who knows if that'll sustain itself. But again, not an OBP league. Are you good with Joey Gallo going this high? Uh, I wasn't during the draft because uh, he was one of my targets in the third round. Uh, I was really hoping I could jump his ADP just a little bit and get him in the third round. And then he went at the beginning of the second. So uh, I was a little upset during the draft seeing him go that high, but I completely understand it. Uh, He's made a lot of adjustments at the plate so far this season. Um, He's still hitting for that power. And now if if you're telling me he's going to hit 260 or 270 on the year, like that is a perennial first round pick for the, for coming into next season. Um, and then that's a huge jump from what we thought he was at the beginning of the season for sure. Yep. Definitely first round talent. If that keeps up speaking of late first round talent, Bryce Harper is dropping about 20 picks. He's going 27th on average right now in these drafts. Are you good with Harper dropping this far or do you think a bounce back's coming and this is value? Oh, I think a bounce back is definitely coming. This is a huge value for everyone that drafted him. Um, it might just be me hoping because I have so many shares of Bryce Harper. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think he's been a little jittery to start off the year. I think once he sets his feet in, um, forgets that, you know, Philly fans can be ruthless and he just goes out and plays ball. I think he's he's back into the top, you know, 15 picks coming in the next year's drafts. Yeah, the biggest jumper that I've seen so far, we you, we mocked him in your draft because he went to that team six pretty early. I was a big Josh Bell guy coming into the season. A big fan of his, especially later round, corner infield type guy. Big fan of Josh Bell. Got him in TGFBI. Um, he he was going – he went 265 to me in TGFBI. He's going on average 31st right now. 231 picks different. Even I think this is too high. What are your thoughts on Josh Bell? Oh yeah, definitely. And and we were mocking um, in our in our staff chat with friends of fantasy benefits. We we were just kind of posting the draft boards that NFBC would throw out there, and we're like, hey, where's Josh Bell today? You know. So I think I saw him go in the first round once, or right at the beginning of the second. So yeah, it was a little crazy to see the inflation start. I, I really think he's turned it around at the plate. Um, however, do I think that he can hit another, you know, 16 home runs the rest, the rest of the way? I don't think so. Um, you know, in 2017, he had 26 home runs with a 255 average. So, you know, maybe 26 home runs at the end of the year you're talking. Um, but yeah, for me, I couldn't take him over like a Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rizzo type. Yeah, that's, that's tough to do at that point. The draft is pretty crazy there. Uh, A few more, we don't have to go through all of these, but like, Jose Altuve, he dropped 31 picks, going on average 44th now. He's been hurt, but we saw MVP Altuve early in the year. Pretty serious value here, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I definitely took advantage of it in this draft, yeah. too. So, yeah, whenever I think whenever um, you see that briefcase next to a guy where it shows he's injured, yep. and I think a lot of people just kind of wrote those people off the board. They didn't look into the numbers. They didn't look to see when they are coming back. So you're telling me I can get a MVP candidate in the, in the uh, sixth round to plug in as my middle infielder. I, I didn't really care at that point because I had Trey Turner. I had Javi Baez. So I didn't really need Jose Altuve. But you're telling me I can get Jose Altuve. I'm going to take Jose Altuve in the sixth round. No doubt about it. Uh, let's go to big meet Pete, Pete Alonzo. He went 245 in our draft. He's going on average about 65 right now in these redrafts. About 178 pick difference. Again, going really early compared to some of these other first basemen off the board. Are you good with Pete Alonso going this early? No, I couldn't do it. Um, I'm actually a really nervous Pete Alonso owner. Uh, I have him in the main event. I drafted him probably around the same time he was going in the preseason. And, you know, I, I'm perfectly happy with what I've gotten from him so far, but I don't know if it's going to continue for the whole year. So um, I think you're baking in his first half numbers um, whenever you're taking him this high. And the rest of the season output probably won't give you what he's given you in the first month and a half. Okay, there's three starting pitchers, young starting pitchers, 
Chris Paddock went 328 in our TGFBI draft. You have Mike Soroka went 313, and Caleb Smith went 377. Now Paddock went, is going 78th, Soroka 84th, Caleb Smith 86th. I, I know these guys have been great. you got to think there might be some ending restrictions on some of them. Are you still good taking this gamble this early? Like for Chris Paddock, for instance, Manny Modica, who I respect a lot, knows the starting pitchers, he just put him out as like the top 15 guy the rest of the season. So what's your thoughts on these three pitchers going where they're going? I hope he's right because I also have Paddock in my TG or in my main event. So um, I'm really nervous about the innings restriction with Chris Paddock. Although if they are contending um, for you know either the uh, the NL West or a wild card um, spot, I don't know if they take the ball away from him because he's definitely their their number one pitcher. Um, so I, I think they're probably going to lengthen out their starts. The past four weeks. Uh, going into the start of the week, he was scheduled to be a two-star pitcher. And just because of the neck injury last week, of course, he didn't uh, fulfill that. But every week, he's only had that one start. So I think they're doing a great job of you know lengthening out the rest that he gets, kind of just using him every sixth or seventh day as opposed to every fifth day. So that might keep his innings down enough to give you full season value. So I think it's, it's a perfectly fine price put for Chris Paddock. Uh, Mike Soroka, I really like this year. I got him in a lot of leagues, especially with the injury discount because of what I saw last year. Um, But that's a little steep for me to take him that high. Um, For instance, you know, he went above Cookie Carrasco in my draft. He went above James Paxton, um, guys like that. And those are still people that I would probably still want over Soroka. And then Caleb Smith is a Marlin. Um, I I really am very scared owning a Marlin pitcher. Uh, Even Zach Gallen, who should be coming up uh, anytime soon, it's just you're not going to get enough run support, and even if you throw a gem, you're probably still not going to win. So it's a little risky for me to take those three guys. Yeah, no, it was just interesting, and we could go on and on and on because there's always a ton of you know guys that went super high, super low compared to their early seasons, and we can give our opinions on them. But we'll be here all night, so I recommend people go and check it out, and um, hopefully you can, can log in with someone's info if you don't have an NFBC league, so at least. You can see the the difference tab, I think, is pretty cool. It gives us an idea of the big movers and shakers without them just kind of pulling it out of our rear end. So that that's pretty interesting there. Any final thoughts on kind of the guys that went earlier or later than you'd expect kind of overall so far? Uh, not really. I think uh, Chris Sale coming into the draft after his first few starts, um, you know, you thought maybe he lasts till like the 10th round. But um, after, you know, his record-setting performance, um, I think we got the old Chris Sale back. So his difference was negative four picks on average in TGFBI. I think that's about right. Um, Garrett Cole and Blake Snell are two guys uh, that I think could end up being the number one starting pitcher the rest of the way. I, I really believe in Blake Snell. Um, I I almost considered taking him in the second round after Verlander and Scherzer went because I think he's right up there in that tier. I think he could be the SP1 moving into next season at the end of the season as well. So there's a, there's a couple pitchers for you. As, as for hitters, uh, we already talked about Bryce Harper. I expect a big jump um, in the second half for him. Reese Hoskins is a guy that's gone undervalued. Um, I really think he provides a lot of value moving forward for the rest of the year. Um, Manny Machado, another guy with a huge big fall. Um, so 27 spots from you know a month and a half ago. I think he turns it around. Um, he's not having the yips like Bryce Harper, but I – He's too good of a guy, too good of a talent to, um, you know, stay as bad as he has been. And it might just be me talking selfishly because I have him in the main event, so he needs to wake up. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you on Machado. I'm waiting for like I every time I do like my write ups for the Quantage or I'm doing my, my podcast in the morning. Um, his price hasn't been respected on on DFS sites, and it's just the talent is there. It's going to happen. Like the the, the big you know two two-week to a month just hot stretch is coming for Manny Machado. It's not going to go away that quickly, that easily for a guy at his talent level. So I'm with you there. I see a lot of good things coming from Machado, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully sooner than later for your team and everybody else's. So we'll see how that goes. But, Colin, this was a blast. Like I said, we're going to talk about this a lot. Uh, definitely we'll have to have you on again sometime. It's always good checking in with you and talking some fantasy baseball. Before we sign out, why don't everybody know uh, when they can catch your podcast and what else where they can find you at. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SeaWeatherWax13. I'll throw a little bit of DFS nuggets out there, some rest of the season rankings, um, some hot streaks and cold streaks, stuff like that. Um, Jad at Justin as well. That's probably why my followers follow me, honestly, I think. Um, and then you can catch me on the podcast over at FWFB with Randy Haynes. Um, I think two weeks ago we had Jeff Erickson on from Rotowire. Uh, that was a great, uh, great podcast. And yeah, anytime you need a guest, Bubba, I'm here for you. I appreciate it, my friend. Everybody go check him out on Twitter at CWeatherWax13. Thanks for joining me as always, Colin. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 173 with our buddy Colin Weatherwax, recapping the last week in FAB and the second chance NFBC leagues. Catch you guys later.